0: Father, we thank you for this day, this morning, once again, even as we are here in your presence this morning, I pray, Lord, that you touch our hearts, speak to us, anoint us to hear your voice. The first day of the fifth month, what an honor and a privilege that you have given to all of us that we could spend time in your presence. But truly, Lord, Father, we will understand your ways and set our lives in order. Speak to us once again, Father. Grant us ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord has to speak to us in this last hour of time. To that end, I pray that you would bless and anoint the speaking and the hearing of this word. For in Jesus' name, Amen. So the 1st of May, 5th month, the month of grace. 5 the number of grace, hopefully. Of course, every day. Um, we have to enjoy, we need grace, his grace, and therefore scripture says, come boldly and confidently to the throne room of grace to obtain mercy and grace in time of need. And uh, this morning we are into the 42nd day of our lockdown, 40th day of ministry for me. So it's, a, it's an interesting milestone for all of us. Um, first of the fifth month and uh, may the lord speak to our hearts yes so we've been looking at the looking at redemption right the story of redemption the redemption primarily we have been looking at the redemption of israel from egypt which represents the world under the authority and the rule of the pharaoh who satan to the promised land that is the life of christ through the wilderness. And we are looking at Israel in the wilderness because it's a type of the church. And uh, Stephen calls it in the book of Acts, if you turn with me to Acts chapter 7. uh, We'll read from verse 37 and 38, if you will uh, put it up in the KJV. Acts chapter 7 and verse 37 and 38 in the KJV, this is what it says. Then, This is that Moses, which said unto the children of Israel, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you, and for your brethren like unto me. Him shall you hear, or ye hear. This is he that was in the church, in the wilderness. You see that? Uh, The congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness is called the church. They called out assembly. They are a type of the church. In the wilderness. With the angel of the Lord, which spake to the spake to him in the Mount of in the Mount Sinai, and with our fathers who received the lively oracles to give unto us, we would possibly, maybe, uh, if God gives us the opportunity to study the Scripture even more in the coming days, we'll probably look at this entire chapter. So many fantastic um, words. It's essentially the first summing up of the history of israel by the holy spirit okay it's th- it's if you look at uh, chapter 7 uh, um, even peter doesn't exposit it in this way this literally starts from abraham in the era of the chaldeans and it goes th- he goes through the entire uh, history and the narrative of israel inspired by the holy spirit a man it says stephen was a man full of the holy spirit and he was wisdom and he was doing mighty miracles and he was able to uh um, able to not argue he was able to speak to the jewish people and convince them jesus was that jesus was indeed the christ and they say that and it scripture says they were not able to gainsay his wisdom his wisdom they were not able to gainsay, meaning they were not able to refute it it was he was so good and an ordinary busboy you know what a busboy is, right? For those of you who don't understand who a busboy is, a busboy is not a busboy. Um, he's a guy who cleans up the tables, if you will. He's a waiter at the tables. And he can speak with such authority. And in the ins- with, uh, uh, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he makes a powerful statement. He says that the children of Israel in the wilderness were a called-out assembly. They are a type of the church. So, something which we need to possibly examine in the days to come, even as we look at uh, the redemption story. And, of course, that is only if the Holy Spirit gives us opportunities. We are not uh, promising anything. It is God who uh, does what, what, he has, what he does. Therefore, uh, it says, he, they were called out the congregation of the church in the wilderness. By the way, the word Exodus, you know what it means? Departure. That's what it means. Shemoth, if I'm right, in the Hebrew. Shemoth. Yeah. Yeah, Shemot. Bemidmar. Midbar is wilderness. Numbers is called Midbar. Midbar means in the wilderness. Okay. Um, Bereshit, of course, is Genesis. So Exodus is Shemoth, which means departure. Um, so why is this this particular um, metaphor of uh, the church in the wilderness important to us because our life is also a departure in christ for example if you turn with me to luke's gospel chapter 8 uh, verse 28 and 29 sorry 28 to 31 if you will uh, put it up in the nasb it'll be great nasb nasb or ESV also maybe but nasb will be fantastic okay seeing jesus or uh, this is 9, sorry, not Luke's gospel chapter 8, verse chapter 9. Luke's gospel chapter 9, verse 28 onwards. Some eight days after these things, he took Peter and John and James and went up to the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face became different and his clothing became white and gleaming. And behold, two men were talking with him and they were Moses and Elijah, signifying the law and the prophets, who appearing in glory were speaking of his departure um, the other actually the original he, greek translation is his exodus in telugu it's, it uses the word nirgamanam nirgamanam means from which we get the word nirgamakandam, kandam which essentially means exodus so they talked about the exodus of jesus that he was about to what accomplish in Jerusalem, he was about to, it's not just to, to, uh, talking about his death, nobody is going to accomplish death. Right? They are going to accomplish something, he's going to accomplish a departure, he's going to uh, accomplish the exodus of who? Of all of us who will be in Christ Jesus one day, and in Christ Jesus will be, will be departing, if you will, spiritually from this world from the power of satan from the influences of the the kingdom of darkness into into his life that is the reason why colossians will say he translated us that's a beautiful word translated literally made us depart from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son the, the kingdom of his son which is in light Okay, so <clears throat> so th- that is the reason why we are studying the redemption story. Why are we giving so much of importance to Exodus? Because it is our life too. And eventually, uh, Pastor on Sunday is going to talk about um, sin and equity and transgression. And uh, when, the, when we heard the first time that particular message, we were actually doing a series on Exodus. Okay, so it's going to it's going to come. I don't know if you guys were there. I'm sure you know you guys were not there. So. That we were doing a series on Exodus, and that kind of is a uh, is what I was also thinking uh, through the last one f- several days. So our exodus from the world system to Christ into His kingdom. But there's a warning, right? It says First Corinthians chapter ten. Yeah, you can give it to me. Don't worry. Thank you. Thank you very much. So, <clears throat> so it says in First uh, Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 to 5, if you will. Moreover, brethren, I don't want you to be unaware or ignorant that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and ate the same spiritual food drank the same spiritual drink for the they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them the rock was christ but with most of them the lord was not pleased. okay because they really really didn't exit they came out of egypt but egypt was not out of them so true freedom is ultimately when we begin to enjoy what we truly are in christ okay so this morning before we go to um, Exodus chapter 19. We will look at another picture of departure. You'll see that in Romans chapter 6 as to how uh, these types are there in the new covenant. Romans chapter Romans chapter 6 and verses 3 and 4. Okay. Or do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his essentially departure? That's what it says, right? In Luke's gospel, chapter 8 and 9, it says that he was, they were talking about the departure that he's going to accomplish in Jerusalem. So we were also baptized into his departure, into his exodus. All right. And then, and then verse 4, therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. How was he raised from the dead? By the glory of the father. The glory of the father has some power. The glory of the Father, it was like all have sin and fallen short of the glory of God. Okay, it was the glory of the Father which, which raised up Jesus from the dead, so that we also in Christ Jesus should no longer walk in our old man, but in the newness of life, in our new identity. So this morning we will come to that particular chapter in Exodus chapter 19, when Israel is brought out of Egypt, they go through the Red Sea, we looked at, those things, those pictures in so many contexts. They pass through Mara. We also looked at Mara. We'll pass through the place in near Elim where they eat, uh Rephidim rather, at Rephidim where they are given manna. And at Rephidim, they also test uh, Moses with at the waters of Masa and Meribah. And at Rephidim, they also are attacked by the Amalekites. And Exodus chapter 18, we have the incident with Jethro, the episode of Jethro, which you're not going to look at, maybe some other time, if the Lord permits. And... Exodus chapter 19, they come to Sinai now. They come to Sinai, they depart from Rephidim, they come to Sinai, and at Sinai they're going to stay for at least 11 months before they take up their journey from Sinai. So you you have Exodus and Leviticus completely happening at this point now, at the mountain, in Sinai, before they leave Sinai and they uh, venture to go into the promised land. That's exactly what is going to happen in Numbers. But then, of course, in the wilderness 38 years, they'll be rotating and rotating and rotating. Okay? Rotating. Okay? All right. So, (laughs) going around in circles. So, Exodus chapter 19, therefore, let's read from verses 1 onwards. I'll tell you where to stop. In the third month after the children of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt. So, three months have passed. On the same day, they came to the wilderness of Sinai. By the word, the word Sinai means thorny. <laughs> Thor. okay. And for, for, for the departed, uh, by the way, it's, 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 uh, it's a mountainous region. I mean, that's what they say. I mean, if you look at some, we'll do a small word study, you'll understand that Sinai is essentially a mountainous terrain. And there's a particular mountain called Horev on Sinai, at, in Sinai, where uh, the law is given, okay, at, on Mount Horeb. For they had departed from Rephidim and came to the wilderness of Sinai and encamped and, and in the wilderness. So Israel camped there before the mountain. So the, before the mountain, they're going to stay here for the next 11 months. Let's move on. And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and Tell the children of Israel. Jacob and Israel both mentioned over here. And the purpose of redemption is going to be revealed. This was the whole purpose, right? If you turn to Exodus chapter 3 and verse 12, uh, this is what is going to happen, right? Exodus chapter 3 verse 12. So he said, I will certainly be with you. This shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you brought the people of Israel out of Egypt, you shall serve God in this mountain on this mountain they come to the point now okay that is the whole purpose of redemption but before they serve god they should know how to serve god so the law is going to be given but before they know the law of god something some some things they have to uh, some kind of preparations um, they have to um, subject themselves to and what is that is the whole idea of this entire episode now israel is going to stay here for about 11 months when moses is going to receive the law and also the pattern of the Tabernacle, remember the pattern of the Tabernacle, the law signifies the righteousness of God, the otherliness of God, the holiness of God, and the fact that he gives a pattern of the tabernacle means he also reveals a desire of of God that he wants to dwell among his who his people, okay. So among his redeemed. Alright, that's the reason why it says in John's Gospel chapter 1, verse 14, it says, The word became flesh and tabernacled among us. So he that is his entire desire. The purpose of redemption is revealed that he's gonna that you are gonna serve God and that he wants, he wants to come and dwell among his people. That's the whole purpose of redemption. So let's go back to Exodus chapter 19 and let's read from verse 5. Verse 4 onwards. First four onwards. It says you have seen what i did to the egyptians and i and how i bore you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself powerful pictures okay just keep these things in mind eagle's wings brought you to myself now therefore if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant then you shall be to me a special treasure to me above all people for all the earth is mine and verse 6 You shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you shall speak to the children of Israel. First, what is he going to do? He is going to reveal to them their new identity. What is that? Tell them about their new identity. First he says, you are a special treasure to me. What is it? Special treasure. You are not a better treasure. You are a? Ah, special treasure. I forsook among all the nations, I chose you to myself. Why? Sometimes, you know, when, a lot of people, when they go for a wedding, you'll hear a lot of chat, 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 chat. Especially among the older folk. What what did this fellow see in this girl? Openly. Openly. Okay. And that is from the boy's side. And you go to the girl's side, exactly the same thing. What is so special about this fellow? Look at our girl, she's so beautiful. And this fellow looks like one, whatever. So the, the descriptions are very, very interesting, no? The same thing happens with the boy's side and the girl's side, and especially among the older folk. What did this fellow see? Not all, but the spiritual older people have spiritual discussions and the older people generally have different discussions. And also among the friends, I don't know, I'm not sure. But generally, you go to any wedding, this is what they will say. See, the boy did not choose the girl because she was a better girl. Or maybe she was, I don't know the bets that he could get. We don't know. We don't know how earthly marriages take place. But Jesus is telling, God is telling, I have forsaken everybody and I chose you, not because you are better, but you are special. In fact, he gives gives them a very interesting uh interesting uh Metaphor, he describes them in a very graphic way in the book of Ezekiel. Actually turn to Ezekiel chapter 16 and uh, read from verses uh, 1 to 3. Look at what he says. Ezekiel chapter 16 verses 1 to 3. And again the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, cause Jerusalem to know her abominations. What are that? And say to her, Thus says the Lord God to Jerusalem, Your birth and your nativity are from the land of Canaan. Your father was an Amorite and your mother was a Hittite. No? One man of God says, this is one of those classics, your mama jokes. Your mama, Hittite. Okay. Father is what? Amorite. What is Amorite? A seer, a slanderer. Hittite means you are under the bondage of fear. What, are, what were you? In other words, you are literally the son of the devil, basically, in the land of Canaan. I chose you. It's, it's a picture graphic. It's a, it's a type of all of us. So what did God see in us? Nothing. Your mama Hittite. <laughs> that, that's, that's exactly what he's saying. Your mother was a Hittite. Your father is an Amorite. Didn't see anything which is good in you that, that I should, attra- that should, I should be attracted toward you. So don't have, just because I called you, you're special to me, it's not because you're better than the others. So he's gonna explain to them their identity. Deuteronomy chapter seven. Verses six onwards. Look at what it says. For you are a holy people to the Lord, your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for Himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. Haha. <laughs> okay, no The Lord did not set, verse 7. The Lord did not set His love on you nor choose you because you were more in number than any other people. That means you are not strong than the other people in the earth, for you were the least of all the peoples. That is the reason why. But because the Lord loves you, verse 8, and because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers, the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand, redeemed you from the house of bondage, from the hand of Pharaoh to the the king of Egypt. So he says, this is what I'm telling you, explaining to you, your identity, my dear brothers and sisters, what you wear, you wear what? Father is Amorite, mother is a Hittite. And you were born in the land of Canaan, spiritually speaking. You see, very important for us to understand. So he's going to, he's going to literally, that's the reason why he says, not many noble are called, not many mighty are called. To see your calling, your brethren, God has chosen the what things of the world? The foolish things of the world, to confound the wise, the base things. Not royal blood. No. You see? So he's explaining to them. And another place, if you you go to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 9, powerful actually, chapter 9 verses 4 to 6 verses do not think in your heart after the lord your god has cast them out before you because of my righteousness the lord has brought me into possess this land <laughs> but it is because of the wickedness of these nations that the lord is driving them out from before you it is not because of your righteousness or the uprightness of your heart that you go into possess their land, or, but because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord your God drives them out from before you, that that He may fulfill the word which He gave, which He swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, verse six. Therefore, understand that the Lord your God is not giving you this good land to possess because of your righteousness, for you are a ah, stiff-necked, rebellious people, bent upon our ways, are we not? Hmm? So don't ever think, father is an Amorite. Every time you think about it, spiritually speaking, where where was I born? In Canaan. You know what Canaan means? Merchandise. The world system. Babylon. Which traffics in souls. That's what I was a part of, if you will. And who was my father an Amorite? A slanderer. And I was also a slanderer because I had his nature. And that's exactly what he tells the, the, the tells the Pharisees as well as the people who come to, to his baptism. You know what John says? You are a generation of what? Vipers. Everybody. Don't say that you are Abraham's child. Oh, you are all a generation of vipers. Bring forth fruit worthy of repentance. So understand where your identity is. And then finally, another place. Deuteronomy chapter 8 verses 17 to 19. Three verses again. All threes. Then you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. 8, verse 17 to 19. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant which he swore to your father as it is as it is this day. Then it shall be, if you by any means forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and serve them and worship them, I testify you this day that you shall surely, what? Perish, you'll die. So don't ever think that you are any special. First of all, you are a special treasure. It's like, you know, What did I, what did the Lord see in me? Nothing. But Jacob I loved. He saw I hated. Simple. I will have mercy upon whom I will have mercy. And I will harden whomever I will harden. So he had mercy upon you. He brought you out. And therefore we pray for other peoples. For, for other people as well. That they will also find what? Mercy. Amen. So the first, he's describing their identity. Second, he's going to talk about. Let's let's go back to uh, Exodus chapter uh, nineteen and verse five and six. Uh, six, six, yeah. Special treasure to me. You shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So what what are you? A royal priesthood, in other words, right? Kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Holy nation. What is missing? Chosen generation is missing. In first Peter we'll, we'll talk about you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. What is chosen generation? You have to be born again first in order to re- literally experience this, 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 these privileges and this new identity. You are a people who are born again. Born again by the word of God and by the spirit of God. That's the first thing. So the identity is described. Second thing he is going to say how did i bring you i brought you on eagle's wings this is very important exodus chapter 19 verse 4 exodus chapter 19 verse 4 you have seen what i did to the egyptians and how i bore you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself how did i how did i bring you i brought you on eagle's wings what is this essentially An appeal to maturity. What is it? How do I know it? First, describing the identity. First thing. Second thing, appeal to maturity. You see this metaphor or this is, or this, or this analogy of eagle's wings more clearly described in Deuteronomy chapter 32 verses 10 onwards. Deuteronomy chapter 32 verse 10. 10 to 12. Three verses. All three, three today. Okay. All three, three verses. I'll give, give you a description. I found him in a desert land and in the wasteland, a howling wilderness. He encircled. He found him in a desert land, in the wasteland, in the howling wilderness. He encircled them. He instructed them. He kept them as the apple of, the, of, the, of his eye. Encircled. Go back. Okay. And three things he does. He encircles. He instructs. He keeps. And then, as the apple of his eye, as an eagle stirs up its nest, hovers over its young, spreading out its wings, taking them up, carrying them on its wings. It's a call to maturity. So the Lord uh, Lord alone led them, and there was no foreign God among them. It's a call to maturity, my dear brothers. Okay, so first, what does he do? He bears us on eagle's wings. In other words... He puts us on his eagle's wings, and he will fly. Who's flying? Flying? God Himself is flying. And where is Israel? Technically, on God the Father, we're soaring in the skies. And He's giving them, you know what what it what it means to experience freedom. You want to know what how freedom is? All the birds at one level. I'm at another level. All the birds go together, but I'm alone. I'm enjoying that. I'm above everything. What we call as a eagle's, eagle eye view, huh? Hawkeye. You know? There's a, there's a very interesting, uh, uh, technology called Hawkeye technology. You know Hawkeye technology? You know what a Hawkeye, 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 technology means how you, the, 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 the vision of an eagle is so good that it can so high above every situation and what is god doing he says you know what come on taste how ex- how freedom is like okay i'm going to put you on myself i'm going to take you up into the sky that's exactly how he describes himself exodus chapter 5 verses 15 onwards okay okay before 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 i bore you on eagle's wings um, uh, i i i i bore you not with and I, I, I took you out from the house of bondage when it when it, when you knew that you thought it was absolutely impossible you thought <laughs> it was absolutely impossible for God to give you freedom. <laughs> and you, in fact, you resigned yourself to that old way of life and you said, you know what, I'm going to serve Pharaoh. Please leave us alone. But what I did was I made matters worse. And I brought you to the point of absolute hopelessness as we call as wits end where all your wisdom has failed and you said, you know what? It is better for me to serve, serve Pharaoh and it is better for me to serve these taskmasters. I have resigned myself to this old life. And you know what happened? That's exactly what you did. Exodus chapter 5 verse 15. This is what you said. Okay. The officers of the children of Israel came to Pharaoh and cried out saying, why are you dealing thus with you, with your servants? Okay. And verse 16. There, there is no straw given to to your servants, they say as make brick, and indeed your servants are beaten, but the fault is in, not, is in your own people. (coughs) And verse 20. Verse 20. Then as they came out from Pharaoh, they met, met Moses and Aaron, who stood there to meet them, and you know what they said to Moses and Aaron? Verse 21, and they said to them, let the Lord look on you and judge you because you have made us abhorrent in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants to put a sword in their hand to kill us. In other words, leave us to our fate. Please don't. It's impossible. This is, we are in a hopeless situation. We would rather die like this. Please, please don't make matters worse for us. And you thought it was impossible, right? That's exactly what I did. I brought you to your wits and then you know what I did? I put you on my wings. And I soared. How did I soar? I destroyed Egypt with 10 plagues. Three plagues you also experienced. After that, I put a demarcation between my people and and, and Egypt. Tenth plague was like the worst. I destroyed the strength of Egypt in that I destroyed the firstborn. And those, and I hardened Pharaoh, Pharaoh's heart even more. And I told him, for this purpose, I raised you up so that I can show my might in you. And then I brought you through the, Red, through the Red Sea. I destroyed the entire Pharaoh's army in the Red Sea. Literally by my outstretched arm. And I put you on my wings. And I showed you what freedom is. Can anybody shoot an eagle down? no way (laughs) no way no way no way no way it's impossible for anybody to shoot an eagle down so i showed you what freedoms experience you can experience freedom by putting you on my shoulders (laughs) what about us in the new covenant no he's flying he said come on this is what flying is fly above your situations Man, what a amazing, uh, testimony. All of us have the desire in us, right, to fly. We wish, oh boy, to fly. I mean, the, because, uh, because the kind of technology that we, that we, uh, come up with, uh, recently, there was this guy. Um, I mean, this was this technology was. I mean, this uh, uh, technology was going on for a long time. A guy who's got uh, wings with uh, with those uh, with those uh, propellers, and he's got a small. He 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 designed small uh, air air engines, basically aircraft engines, small aircraft engines, and he started flying. And that is the reason why he get attacked with Iron Man, right? Why Iron Man? Boy, the first got a nuclear reactor, man. Can you imagine he's powering his entire suit with a nuclear reactor? Boy, this is it. We want to fly. We want to experience. It's there inside each one's consciousness to experience freedom. And you know what God says? I did that for you. I wanted to give you a taste of what what it feels like to fly. I pulled you out of Egypt with an outstretched arm. With mighty signs and wonders and miracles. And I gave you a taste of what flying is. And then you look, when you came out, you started singing with a tamarind. Oh, 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 you enjoyed. You started enjoying it. Look, right? I just enjoyed my flight. That's exactly what God did to us in the new covenant. Did he not? What did he do in Ephesians chapter 2? Verse 4 onwards. Again, three three verses. 4, 5 and 6. Okay. We'll have three, three, three today. Okay. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love in which, we, which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and when we were resigned to our old way of life, and he said, there is no hope for us. What did he do? He made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And verse 6, and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ. He also gave us a taste of what it means to fly. What's Remember your first time when you got saved. (laughs) Your your feeling was almost like this. You were as if you're in cloud nine only. If there if there's no cloud seven, there is no seventh heaven. Cloud nine is fine, okay? Cloud nine. This lightness. The burden is lifted up. But whenever the burden is lifted up, you start flying immediately, right? That's exactly what happens. Why does why does helium fly? Because it is less. It has got lesser weight than the atmospheric uh, atmospheric air. And therefore, he's got this upward thrust and he keeps flying. Like Larry Walters, the mad fellow. Mm? We all want to fly. I mean, we also flew in Jesus. in spiritually, he's talking about spiritually. Okay, that is one thing. But the eagle doesn't want its babies to always stay on its shoulders, right? She wants her to teach the children to fly. That is what is calling a call to what? Maturity. Your new identity. You are no longer a chicken, Baba. You are, an, you are an eagle. Don't put your head down like that. You are an eagle. And now I want to teach you to fly. You know how an how a eagle te- teaches her children to fly? That's exactly what Deuteronomy chapter uh, 32, verses 9 onwards will describe. 10 onwards, sorry, 10 onwards. he found them in a desert place and in the wasteland, in a, howling in a howling wilderness. He encircled them. In the nest, it starts encircling. He instructed them. Arey, you want to fly? I'll teach you how to fly, okay? This is how you do it. This is how you do it, okay? Kept them as the apple of the eye. Okay? This is how you fly, okay? See, better. This is how you fly. Fly, fly, okay? No. Okay, thank you very much for the theory class. Ah, no, no, no. Let's go to the lab now. Okay, because Christianity is not theory class. It is not intellectual exercise. Oh, 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 such fantastic ideas! Let me take my notes. No, let me make my robot. You know it, no? Theory class or practical class mein kitna antar hai? Aapko Kitna log theory me? the moment we go to the lab and start simulating the whole experiment, gone. Hurray, this number here is not working, Ray. You should go to the lab after you take the theory class. For the first lab class, it's like, you know, your teacher and your, all your eagles over there. You are the professor and all the eagles. You should see the number of hands which raise up in the first class. Sir! 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 sir. In other words, teach me to fly. You gave me an engineering college seat, no. Teach me to fly. The thing about this is, in Christianity is that, in the engineering college, after four years, you become an engineer. In Christianity, first you're a Christian and then you fly. It's total ultra. He gives you a new identity first, and then asks you to live that identity. That is what we call as, what? F-A-I-T-H. Faith. Now what I want you to do is to teach you to fly. Begin to enjoy your freedom. You are a new creation in Christ. You are an eagle. Old has passed away. Everything has become new. If the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. Begin to live out your new identity is what is the call. The moment you see eagle, this is what has to come into your mind. John's Gospel, chapter 8, verse 31. Look at what it says. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And then? You shall know the truth, (laughs) and the truth shall set you free. And what what did they say? They answered, we are Abraham's descendants. We have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you you will be made free? And then he says, Jesus answered, most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever. Who abides? Son. And then verse 36 Therefore, if the sun makes you free, you are free indeed, and what does the son, have, son done to you? He has released you, he has redeemed you, he has put you in his own wings. That is exactly what the departure that he accomplished in Jerusalem that's what he said, no, oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem, I wanted to gather you as a hen gathers her chicks, but you would not have it. You would not recognize this time of your visitation, and indeed. Your life, your house is left unto you desolate and I will not come until you cry out to me. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. In other words, you are no longer a slave to sin, my dear brothers. He's saying, you're no longer a slave to sin. Do you know that? You don't have to sin. You have a new identity. Now you are no longer under law, but under grace, you have the power to overcome sin. Therefore, fly, enjoy your freedom. Romans chapter 8 verses 14 and 15 For as many as are led by the spirit of God these are the sons of God for you do not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear but you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out what abba father what is this baba you know what the what you know what the what the uh, eagle does you go back to Deuteronomy chapter uh, 32 and verse 10. He found him in a desert land. In the wasteland. In the howling wilderness. He encircled him. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of the eye. And then next verse. Look at the next verse. Verse 10. Verse 11. As an eagle stirs up the net. In other words, all the eagles are in the nest. Oh, thank you, Mama, for the class. Everybody's clapping with their feathers like this. Oh, very nice class. Oh, that's how you fly, is it? Yeah. Uh, Now, let's get to business, okay? What are you going to do, Mama? I'm going to throw you down. That's exactly what he's doing. He's going to Stir up the nest, so all the eagle eaglets, or whatever you want to call them, eaglets? Okay, I don't know, eaglets, okay. Eaglets, huh? Okay, all the eaglets now will fall out of the nest and start flapping their wings, and they'll go down, nose down, down. Mama, mama, no, mama, I don't want to do it, mama, no, mama, no, mama, I'll fall, mama, I'll fall, mama. Get out of the nest and fly. No, 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 no. fly, no, throw those fellows down. And you know, they'll start flapping their wings, they'll come down. And you know what the what the mother does is they're waiting down near the ground. And the moment they almost hit the ground, he comes and spreads the wings like that. They all fall on the mother again, and slowly it takes it back to nest. Mama, I can't do it, mama. I'll fall. Don't worry. Fall. Proverbs. Chapter 24 and verse 16. For a righteous man, actually because it's far, no, we'll read the previous verse. 15 and 14. Do not lie in wait, of wicked man, against the dwelling of the righteous. Do not plunder his resting place. For a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again. But the wicked shall fall by calamity. You know what is going to happen? You may fall. You're trying to flap your wings. You're trying to live by faith. And you don't have the strength. You're saying, Jesus, I'm falling. Don't worry. I'm there, right there. No condemnation. Now why? Dread. <laughs> that's what the songwriter will say. No condemnation, now I dread. Jesus and all in him is mine. Alive in him, my living head. And clothed in righteousness divine. Bold, I approach the eternal throne. Why do I have the boldness to enter into the eternal throne? Because Christ, my elder brother, after Jesus, has God has accepted me as his son, Christ, my elder brother, is seated at the right hand of the father, forever making intercession for me. When I fall, I will arise. Micah chapter 7. Verse 8-9, I think. Micah chapter 7, verse 8-9. Oh yeah, exactly. Do not rejoice over me, my enemy. When I fall, I will rise. So what does the eagle do? It stirs up all its eagles, eaglets, and they start falling. And they're trying to flap its wings. And they're saying, you're falling, Jesus. Don't worry, I'm there down. Right there down. You don't, you don't see me. By faith, Abraham built the ark. What is going to happen to me? Where is the money going to come? Don't worry, I'm going to provide. How long is it going to take? Don't worry. I'll be there. Will I have the sufficient intelligence to finish it? It's a tremendous project and I've got only 8 people to finish this. Massive project. Don't worry, I'm there. What if I fail? Don't worry, I'm there. You just follow my instructions one one by one. What if I mess up? Don't worry, I'll correct you. You are no longer a slave. You are my son. Don't forget your identity. You are my son. Can it, can I, can that identity change? Can Abigail say, you know what, my daddy, will he feed me? Month, month number five? Five months over, four months over. I don't know what's going to happen this month. What will happen? No, 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 no. Just imagine that. I got you covered. I have you covered. But fly now. That's a call to maturity. What happened When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I have sinned against Him for sure. Sometimes I might sin against Him. Until He pleads my case and executes justice for me, He will bring me forth to light and I will see His righteousness. Now let me tell you something. This is not condoning sin. No. When I sin. I want to overcome sin. Yeah, that's the reason, that's the reason why he says, uh, if you turn with me to 1 John chapter 3, two, two translations, both are the same. Uh, renderings are dangerous, but sometimes 1 John chapter 3, just give me a minute, I'll just find that verse for you. 1 John chapter 3, whoever is born of God. If you can find out that for me, please. Yeah, chapter, uh, uh, Hmm? 3 and verse? 3, 9, yeah. Uh, yeah, this is KJV, right? Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. Now 1 John, chapter 2, chapter 1, and verse 7. If we walk in the light, he is in the light and we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ his son cleanses us from all sin and then if we say that we have no sin we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us but if we confess our sins he is faithful and just. So a guy who is born of God cannot sin. That is your new identity. But if at all you fail You confess and repent. You don't want to, but if you if you want to sin, then I don't can't help you. But if you have a deep desire inside of you, and you you can never be comfortable in your sin. When you confess your sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. Notice the difference between sin and sins. Sin is talking about the power. He cleanses us from all sin. Is the power of sin. Since are which we are committing he's going to forgive us slowly 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 and if you go back to first chapter first john chapter 3 and verse uh, 9 in the esv if you please esv or nasb nasb is good nasb is a good translation to look at yeah no one who is born of god practices sin because his seed abides in him and he cannot sin because he is born of god maybe esv esv also is good No one born of God makes the practice of sinning. And he cannot keep on sinning. He cannot keep on sinning. Because he has been born of God. So after a while, you begin to sin less and less and less. And you will become stronger and stronger and stronger as an eagle. From an eaglet to an eagle. But not many take this call seriously, isn't it? Will everybody take this call seriously? No. It says in Hebrews chapter 5 verse 10. Called us, called by God as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Now think about it. Called by God as a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Of whom we have much to say, a hard to explain. Now tell me something. What does Melchizedek stand for? Is a symbol of what? What kind of a priesthood? Yo. Royal priesthood. Who is Melchizedek? The king of Salem. And the king of righteousness. And he's a priest of the most high God. So Melchizedek is a type of Christ. He is a type of the royal priesthood. And what are we in Christ? Royal priesthood. That is our new identity. We are the new eaglets and we have to supposed to live out this life of a royal priesthood. Right? And he says, verse 11, of whom we have much to say. And hard to explain since you have become what? Dull of hearing. You still want Aaronic priesthood. <laughs> but what is Aaronic priesthood? Keep on going every year into the most holy place. Ayo, forgive sin, forgive sin, forgive sin, forgive sin. Eternal cycle of forgiving, repenting, repenting, forgiven, repenting, forgiving. Never coming to the freedom of flying like an eagle. Dull of what? Hearing. Why? Why Why have you become dull of hearing? He tells you exactly. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. You have come to need milk and not food. You know, so, so many people in the kingdom of God are afraid of failure. They will not do anything because they are crippled by well. What will happen if I fail? Fail, Baba! Fail, no problem! There is God who is there. He wants you to learn. I am not saying that you do things presumptuously. Please don't misunderstand me. This is talking about a life of faith. And life of faith is a life of risk for sure. Abraham went out not knowing where he was going. But he heard. We are not talking about presumption over here. But over when he, when he heard the first time, when he started uh, taking the steps of faith, then he met Melchizedek, right? What does it what does that mean? The call of Abraham is our call too that we should be of the order of Melchizedek, that we should be what the royal priesthood of the order of Melchizedek. And then if you make mistakes on the path, I'm going to correct you, but step out by faith, my dear brothers and sisters into this life of Christ. Don't say, no, 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 no. I, I just want to be in my nest. What is nest? Egypt. Take me back to Egypt. Please, please, please take me back. Take me back, take me back. If you don't take us back, no, you're not my mummy. That's what they said to told Moses. We will find ourselves another mummy. And go back to the mummies in Egypt. Nonsense. Is. this is our life fly no mummy i think the movies are made after this only see this is, this is exactly how we are and god says step out step out step out and exercise what you are in christ overcome sin don't be in that cocoon of comfort zone. My, my goodness, 40 days has been like for literally, I'm like an eaglet only, literally flying and falling, flying and falling. I don't know. Lord, when am I falling? When am, when am I messing up? I don't know. It's I, I was telling Sister Elsa yesterday, I was saying, Sister Elsa is not even a tightrope walk. It's a walk on the knife edge. Which is better? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. And you can imagine all the graphics later on. <laughs> Associated with that metaphor, <laughs> yeah <laughs> think about that, but why everybody wants the cocoon of the of the they will never grow that 's exactly what he's saying for though by this time you ought to be teachers, meaning you ought to be a set of people who are teaching others to say this is what it means to live Christ, the life of Christ through your life, you should become a witness i 'm not he's not essentially saying that you should take the pulpit, no. He's saying, this is what it is to live Christ. It's tremendous freedom in, the, in this walk of faith. God comes through. That should be a testimony. I obeyed God. I obeyed and I'm starting. I begin to walk by faith. And I, yes, of course, I goofed up in the middle. But you know something? God came down. I was almost about to fall like Abraham. I was almost about to sell my wife. He came through. And I came back to the altar. And then again, Lot was uh, was uh, was captured. I said, "What am I supposed to do, Lord? Go and rescue Lot?" It was again a little three hundred eighteen trained soldiers in my house against Vikings. What are the odds, my dear brothers and sisters, if it were not by faith? What are the odds? No wonder Melchizedek met him. He said, "Yeah, you're growing now. You're beginning to be an eagle. You're becoming new." What is he doing? He's beginning to believe. <laughs> oh, we like all those things, right? My name is not Anderson. My name is Neo. <laughs> oh, really? Uh huh. Neo means new, by the way. It's all copied from the Bible. I told you without the Bible, no new only, no matrix. Think about this. What has God called us to be? Eagles. Called to maturity. And what is he doing? You need someone to teach you again the first principles. And and Abraham was getting scared. His heart is beating against the chest. Boy, I just made it, Baba. I was about to fall somehow. 318. You know, we say that in Telugu, no? Addi gudi chakka chala gaya Six. Six ho gaya. And then Jesus comes to him in Abraham in Genesis chapter 15. He says, Abraham, 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 I am your shield. I am your exceedingly great reward. What is the use, Lord? I don't know. Come here, come here. You come here, you fellow. You are an eagle ray nutcase. Come here. Look at the sky. Look at the sky. Fly. Fly. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you come to need of milk and not solid food. Over and over, same problem. Long time back, the same sin. Seven years back, the same sin. Eleven years back, the same sin. Twelve years back, the same sin. Ayo, another mucha. New sins. <laughs> like Ram Gopalwarma. Did you learn from your mistakes? He says no. <laughs> I will make new mistakes. He says, "At least make new mistakes, Baba, same old mistakes, okay, therefore, practice what <laughs> righteousness. there's a life of a life, and it has to be consistent. for example, just giving examples, okay let us say, you want to test God with your giving, you want to give more and you pray about it and say, Lord, yes, I don't want to become an emotional giver, Lord, okay." But I want to consistently give more, let's say. Start giving. Go step out by faith and give a little more one year, one month. Stretch it a little more. Stretch it a little more and you'll see maybe at the end of the month you'll have almost, what happened God? Did I do it presumptuously? Don't worry. I'll cover you. I'll cover you. But let it become a consistent practice. 1 John chapter 3. Verse 7 onwards. I like this, the way it starts off, no? Little children, are you eaglets? How long will you be eaglets? Let no one deceive you, eaglet. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. He hovered you in the wilderness. He instructed you. He kept you as the apple of your eye. And as an eagle. Stores up its nest. He started stirring you up now. First. Explains the new identity. And he calls him to maturity. And then it goes on. Verse 8. 8 onwards. He who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. That means your, mother, your father was an Amorite. Your mama Hittite. Very, very clear. Once upon a time. And you were uh, in the land of the Canaanite. In the land of the Canaanite, mother, H- Amorite, father, Hittite, whatever. Exchange. Don't worry, no? For this purpose the Son of Man was Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, he cannot sin because he's been born of God. And then next go on, next go on. Don't worry. In this the children of God and the children of devil manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. Okay, you understand? There's a practicing of righteousness. Practice and practice. Oh, you're Lakshman Baba. Why are you Lakshman? That that guy is on the nets for almost what eight hours in a day continuously. Eight hours. No wonder he can sta- sit in that uh, stand in that test stadium for uh, for two days at a stretch. Why do you think he's got two days uh, two days stamina? Because he's in, he's been in the nets for eight hours continuously for uh, for weeks and weeks and weeks. They say about Chateswar Pujara that once he goes into the, he goes into the stadium, he actually, he can have breakfast, lunch and dinner over there, literally. He will not give his wicket, period. First you kill me and then you take my wicket. Simple. Basically. He'll come and sit there and you have to break your head to take his wicket because he's going to practice and practiced and practiced and practice not to give up. What do we have in the, in, in the, in the, in the kingdom of God? Absolute spineless believers who once trouble gone. What is that one trouble? Oh, my home is far away from the church. Can I find a new church over here, please? Finish commitment over. Commitment, 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 in other words. So practice. You know why? You are making it a part of your muscle memory, spiritual muscle memory. Like Rafa. You see that? All the great tennis players and athletes, you know what? They are scared of injuries. You know why they are scared of injuries? Because they have practice and practice and the muscle has a particular memory. It involuntarily hits one shot. And once they get injured and their muscles are gone, they're scared to again come back to their original position. It's going to take a lot of time and training. Okay, now the greatest muscle we have in our mind, in our bodies, is my brain. Exercises follow. Okay. That righteousness becomes a part of my muscle memory. It becomes it's not my second nature. I'm living out my actual nature in Christ, my identity in Christ. So, how do I know that I'm growing out to maturity? Is a question, right? Christ has taken us upon His wings, and He has given us the taste of what it means to fly. That is what we call us the first initial salvation experience. Boom! Out of Egypt, flew. Egypt. And up to, up now he says, okay, let's come and relax over here. and let me fly. Let me teach you to fly. Where are we seated? Together with him in heavenly places. So, What do we want to become? We want to become chickens. But if we really, really w- have apprehended our true nature in Christ or appropriated our true nature in Christ, you know what happens? This is exactly what happens to us. Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 onwards in the NIV, if you don't mind. Please, in the NIV. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts where? On things about Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. That means what? You are an eagle. Don't forget that. Your heart and your mind. Your priorities. All heavenly priorities. And then hearts on things above. Set your minds. Your hearts and your minds. Not on earthly things. For you have died and your life is now hidden with God in Christ. Understand this new identity. If you have become mature, this is exactly what is going to happen. Your heart and your mind is not here at all. It's not in the world. Your priorities are not in the world. The way you spend your money is not for the world. The way you spend your time is not for the world. Even if you are working in a company, you know what you want to do? You'll be like David. You'll be like a layman who's going to finish all your work on time and come back and spend time in the presence of the Lord and be engaged in the work of the Lord. In fact, when you're going to office, you are doing the work of the Lord, by the way. The way you work, boy, the blessing of God will follow you into the work and people's life will be touched if you believe. You know why? Because you're no longer concentrating here. You know your identity in Christ. Oh Lord, I don't have the intelligence to do it. You don't know. Don't you know that you have the mind of Christ? Oh Lord, I don't have the strength to finish this task. Oh, don't you know that I've given you all things pertaining to life and godliness? That's what it says in First Peter chapter four, right? Does he not, does he not say, "He who speaks, let him speak the or, as the oracles of God, and he who ministers, let him minister in the strength that God provides, or in the ability that God provides, so that in all things, what? So if if your aim and your objective is that through your work Christ will be glorified, who's going to give you the strength? That did Daniel not say? It was God who gives the interpretation. Did he not say that? And it says, God gave Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego intelligence to understand all these technical matters in in Babylon. And God gave something extra to to, to Daniel because God is not a respecter of persons. Because Daniel took the first hand, naturally. He took the first step. And therefore, God has to honor him. Those who honor me, I will honor. And so what does God give him? God gives him an extra ability to understand dreams and visions there's a spiritual ability and if you look at every work that you do as a spiritual exercise even even though it is panning out in the physical you know what's going to happen the blessing of the lord the ability of god the grace of god everything will start flowing through your life and they will know that god is with you they will know take it as a challenge my dear brothers all of you study and all of you who work in in software companies take it as a challenge and say lord grant me the grace and the intelligence and the and the ability to bless the company that i'm working in so that lord that they will know you that i'm your child and i'm your son understand that okay don't ever forget it set your minds on things above for you died and then look at what it says the next verse verse four when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you shall also appear in glory. Therefore, what you should do? Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, etc. We'll come to that later. So, how do I know that I am really living out my new identity? That is, I'm becoming mature. If I set my heart and my mind on things about and not on Things of the earth. All right. Second, how do I know that I am mature? Let's read from First Corinthians chapter two, verse nine to sixteen. Two, verse nine to sixteen, and three, one to one to three. Okay, chapter three. Let's read on. However as it is written, no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him. <laughs> but God has given us what? Revelation. You know why? Because we have an eagle eye now. Kya eye? Eagle eye. Usko kya drishti Have you seen Republic Day Parade? Hmm? There's a presidential vision and there's a helicopter vision. Which one would you prefer? Helicopter. No. Eyes have not seen, nor ears have heard. That is presidential vision. One by one, chronologically, everything is going on, and is waiting for the next time. What is this fellow doing? He is living outside time. He is seeing the end and the beginning at the same time. And what has God given us? He says, I have not seen, nor ear has heard, nor mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him. But, what is, what is there? There is no full stop. There is no period. There is a hyphen. So, there is a continuation. But God has revealed it to us by his spirit. And then it goes on, goes on. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. We have not received the spirit of this world, but the spirit who is from God. That we may understand what God has freely given us. And therefore, verse 13. That is what we speak. That is what we. Not words taught us by human wisdom. Bah! There are words which are taught by human wisdom. You go to a, you go to Trinity. By the time you finish your engineering, you will start, you start talking like an engineer. You have the language of an engineer, right? Or to any other university for that matter. But here, you're taught by the Spirit. Ex- Expressing spiritual truths, not with worldly worldly words, but by spiritual words. I mean, you should kiss this, by the way. If you have a Bible and you just kissing means, you have to underline it. The man without the spirit does not accept accept the things that that come from the spirit of God. The man without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God for they are foolishness to him and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. And then, the spiritual man makes judgments about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. You know what? <laughs> the moment you start making judgments spiritually, you can understand the w- guy in the world, you can understand who is the guy in the spirit, and you can understand who the guy in the world is. But the guy in the world will not be able to understand you. He'll say that hey, this fellow has gone mad. But you'll know exactly that you're not mad, and you're knowing exactly what his final destination is, and your final destination is. Ardamaikli. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but Oh, we will have gadu, nana, we will have gadu, nana, we have the mind of Christ. And then, chapter 3, verse 1, you know what he says? Brothers, I could not trust you as spiritual, but as worldly, as mere infants in Christ, you are still babies. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you are not ready indeed for it, you are still not ready. You see that? Why? You are still carnal. I can't speak to you spiritual things. Because if I start using spiritual tools and express them in spiritual words, you'll say, You'll be like a, like, I'll be speaking to a deaf man. You know, sometimes when you read the certain books, right, we, we, we recommend people that when they're new believers, you should ask, come and ask us what books to read. So that I can, according to your spiritual age, I can recommend books to you. Sometimes if I suddenly give you, just now you got born again, and if I give you watchman knee, you'll be hitting a dead wall. That words will be falling against a dead wall. I mean, one wall, nothing is going inside. All bouncers only. Why? Because you still haven't grown to that level. That's exactly what he's saying. You still are soulish people, but not spiritual. Why there is envy, there is strife, the division. That one is Peter, one is Kepha, one is Christ, etc. You are still worldly. Okay? So, second, how do I know I am maturing? That I can understand and discern spiritual truths. You got it, everybody? Okay. Finally, you are not only able to discern what is spiritual, you are able to discern what is soulish and what is spiritual. Okay. Look at what it says in John's Gospel chapter 6 verse 63. I like that. Beautiful. The Spirit gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I've spoken to you are Spirit and they are life. What is life? Zoe. From which we get the word zoology. Okay. So, first, Describes the, our new identity. Second, call to maturity. Third, a call to live an obedient life. That's what it means. What is call to live? maturity means let our e- obedience become more manifest. Let's go back to Exodus chapter nineteen now, and le- and le- read from verses nine onwards. Verse nine. Verse nine. Verse 9 and then verse 7 and 8. Okay, Verse 9 and then verse 7 and 8. Okay, The Lord said to Moses, I am going to come to you in a dense cloud so that people will hear me speaking. I think you changed the entire translation to NIV. Yeah. uh, So Moses came down and called for the... uh, First verse 9 and then we will read verse uh, 7 and and 8. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I come to you in the thick cloud. That the people may hear when I speak with you and believe you forever. I love that. What is that? This is basically maturity. You begin to hear. Ah. Not just the mere, the, merely the words of man, the words of God and you'll begin to believe that's that's exactly the reason why john will say in one of the in, in one of his chapters in the epistle of john uh, not epistle of john the gospel according to john he says these things i have written to you that you might believe that jesus is the son of god and in believing you you may have what eternal life these things i have written That you may believe that Jesus is the son of God and believing you may have love. That's exactly the same pattern over here. Behold, I come to you in the thick lot, that the people may hear what I speak to you and believe you forever. Believe you forever. So Moses told the words of the people to the Lord. Then what happens? Exodus chapter 19 verses 7 and 8. So what does it say? So Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before them all these words which the Lord commanded him. Then all the people answered together and said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Oh, really? Anyways, they said that. So Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord. So that's exactly what we we did. Now we went back to verse 9 and we saw that God says that they may hear my words and believe you for ever. What is this? It's a call to obedience. It's a call to obedience. Whatever you say, we will do. That's exactly what the people of children of Israel told Joshua when they were about to enter into the promised land. In chapter 1 he says, whatever you say, we will do. And if anyone does not hear your words, what are you going to do? We will put him to, put him to death. Fin- finished. Okay? We will explain the professional development program very well. You want to develop, in, develop yourself in the promised land? Obey. Otherwise, die. Obey or perish. Like we have in, uh, in in research, publish or perish. Here, obey or perish. There's no no other professional development program. Very, very clear. Obedience is equal to success, not disobedience is equal to death. Bah, clear It is characterized by several steps of disobedience, by the way. Anyway, let's move on. So, what does it say? So Moses came and called for the elders, and they said, okay, fine, we will do it. It's a call to obedience. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20, 18, 19, and 20, three verses again. <clears throat> and Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. What should I do? What should you do? Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit. Then what? Teaching them to observe some, no, all things, teaching them to observe all things that I may, that uh, that uh, that I have commanded you and lo, I am with you even to the end of this age. Romans chapter 1 verse 5, Romans chapter 1 verse 5. Through Him we have received grace and apostleship for the obedience to the faith among all nations for His namesake. And therefore, what is our call? Our call is a call to obedience. And how do we learn obedience? We think we suffer. Exactly. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 7. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 7. Who in the days of His flesh? Who is this? this? He. Melchizedek. What are we? Royal priesthood. New identity. Okay. New identity. How did he learn obedience? Melchizedek, how did he learn obedience? When he offered up prayers and supplication with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from that and was heard because of his godly fear. And verse 6 and 7. And though he was a son, yet he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. And how do we suffer? I'll tell you. Suffering and RSS uh VHP ochi, man that is not suffering. VHP, RSS coming and beating up is not suffering. I'll tell you what suffering is. Isaiah chapter 50. Come back to the same thing again and again. We'll come back to it for so, 250th time in 40 days. What's the big deal? No. Verse 4. And can you put it in the NSB if you don't mind? NSB. So, how do we... Yeah, we we are in uh, NASB. Lovely. I like that NASB. The Lord has given me the tongue of the... Go into all the world and make disciples. Ah, ah, ah. So, how can Jesus say go and make disciples if he himself is not a... Okay. And what was the call for the disciple called to obedience? And how did he learn obedience through the things that he suffered? And what did he suffer and how did he suffer? Look what it says. The Lord has given me the tongue of the disciple... Or a disi- of the disciples, that I may know how to sustain a weary one with a word. He awakens me morning by morning. That is where discipleship starts. Suffering starts. Okay. It's very, very important. This is a discipline of... I think, I think Jesus had a, definitely a structure. In his life, it's impossible for God of order not to have order. If you see creation, it's impossible for God who created everything in such fantastic order not to have order. My my goodness, sometimes I sometimes I feel no, we have to so all of us have to learn. Okay, we are, we are, this is no this is no pointing fingers. This is something which everyone in the body of Christ, no matter how much you have matured, at whatever level of spiritual walk you are, there is still some order that has to come into come, in, come into your life in whatever area. And if you are younger in the Lord, like us, us, we have need more order. What says thou? Yeah. My goodness, we are characterized by disorder. When we get up, we don't know. When we sleep, we don't know. We don't know. We ourselves don't know when what our timings are. That's the nature. And how is it possible that we can become eagles and fly? It's impossible. That is suffering. Suffering until we all think, oh, we should go to Africa and we'll be hit by one arrow. No, that is not suffering. Getting up early in the morning, every day, consistently for a period of time is big suffering for many of you. Many of us. <clears throat> it's one of the things that I've learned over these 40, 40 days, no? Boy, I sleep exactly at one period of time and I get up in the middle. I'm getting up so many times just to ensure that I'm not shooting my time. Every day, consistently, for 40 days. And those days, once in a week, if I was preaching once in a week, it's okay. But every day now, why I can't sleep. It's all tension. It's good for me to be afflicted. Then I learned your statutes. You see, discipline is important, my dear brothers. That I may know how to sustain. You know what happens? If you know that you have an order in your life, you will not waste your time in stupid talks. You know how exactly where to where to invest your time. You begin to become an investor, not of money, but of time. Because time is spiritual money for me now. Redeeming the time, knowing that the days are evil. So, so he says, you have given me a tongue of the disciple that I may know how to sustain the weary one with the word. He awakens me morning by morning and he awakens my ear to listen as a Disciple. Morning by morning. That is what we call as offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. Then he says, the Lord has opened my ear and I was not, ah, disobedient. You see that? A call to obedience? How did, how did the call, how did the call to obedience start up? He awakens me morning by morning. One tap on your shoulder. Tap, tap. Vijay, get up. What are you going to (laughs) do? Roll. Two more minutes, Lord, this is another 15 minutes last sleep sleep. stretch just finished. That 15 minutes will go to one hour 45 minutes. Because in that 15 minutes only the most interesting dream will come. You know that, right? <laughs> Rapid eye movement will happen that, that time only. And you're so conscious of the dream, you think that you're, that you're actually awake. And before you know it, the time has passed. Practical things these are. Suffering and we think suffering below. Oh, giving our body to be burnt. That is not suffering. Giving our body to wake up early in the morning is big time suffering for us. We can easily give our body to be burnt, but not get up in the morning. Huh? You see that? An order in life? An order. All of us have to come to get that order. Order in our time, order in our finances, order in our work, order in our reading, order in our Bible reading, order in our singing, order in our worship, order in our families, every place, order, order, order. That's exactly what the courtroom says, no? Order, order, order. And God says to his creation, new creation, Baba, order. Look at my son. The Lord has opened my ear and I was not disobedient nor did I turn back. And then, then verse 6, I gave my back later on to strike. To those who strike me. Why? Because from morning, from all these 30 years, morning by morning, he's awakening me. He was giving me a tongue of, the ear of an instructor and the tongue of an instructor. I did not become rebellious over a period of time. Even as I became obedient in little, 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 little things over a period of time, I was integrated into a person who could finally give my body. And that's exactly what Paul says. My life is being poured out like a drink offering. What a man! Do we have another plan? What a man, do we have another plan? No, that's like, like, I like that. Okay, do we have another plan? No plan B for us, no. There's only one plan. That is the master's plan, not the master plan, the master's plan. Okay, so obedience, God of order, God of order, We'll also bring order and we learn obedience to the things that we suffer. And suffering can be anything, okay? So call to fresh suffering in the next 40 days for all of us. If the Lord gives us whatever opportunity, we are open to anything. We are not forcing our our influences or our opinions on anybody. We will be obedient. We are available. And if you are available, God will give us the grace. Amen? Amen. Let's move on. James chapter 2 now, Let's verse 14 now. I like this. I want to replace works with obedience, okay? It's Very interesting. You know this very well. What does it profit, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have obedience? Works and obedience ante na? A call to obedience? Works means obedience. Can faith save him? No. If there is no obedience, can faith save you? No. I'm obedient. I will not construct the ark. Can it save you? Noah? No. no. It says, Noah, moved by godly fear, made an ark for the saving of his household and became a heir of righteousness, which comes by faith. Ah. Put it up now. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 5. Lest, lest, lest people say that I'm quoting something which is absolutely nonsense. No. Let God be true and every man a liar. By faith, uh, 7, sorry. 11.7, sorry. 11.7, not 5. Thank you, doctor. By faith, Noah being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. You see that? There was an obedience. There was an obedience in his life. Therefore, as the body without the spirit is dead, faith without obedience is Already then, so there's a call to first, explaining, explanation of the or the description of our identity. Second, the call to maturity. And in the call to maturity, there's a call to what? Obedience. And let's go to now Exodus chapter 19. Verse 10 onwards. The Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their clothes. I like that. Today and tomorrow I do miracles and the third day I'm going to be perfected. The same language here. Go and tell the fox. Today and tomorrow I'm going to do my works and the third day I'm going to be perfected. So something is like that. Something like that also is happening over here, but we'll understand what this is. Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their And let them be ready on the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down upon Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. So what does does Moses say? Uh, Go to, go to, go to, go to verse 14. Verse 14 and 15. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people and, and sanctified the people. And they washed their clothes. And he said... To the people, be ready for the third day. Do not come near your wives. New identity. Explanation. Call to maturity. Call to obedience in maturity, of course. And now, change your garments. Change your garments. So first of all, let us Understand what the significance, what the spiritual significance of changing your garments mean. Okay, first, you know what the best way to do it, compare scripture with scripture. So that is how we learn these lessons. This is all uh, the best way of hermeneutics is not Bible college, but comparing scripture with scripture. And, just, and uh, allowing the scripture to interpret itself. So what does it mean to change your garments? Let us see. In different, different places and contexts, I'm going to give you uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Ah, of course, seven. No, how did I forget that? Seven ways of what it means to change your garments. First, Exodus chapter—sorry, not Exodus chapter 35, Genesis chapter 35. Then God said to Jacob, "Arise, go up to Bethel, and." Dwell there, and make an ark. Sorry, not an ark, and altar there to God, who appeared to you when you fled from from Esau, uh, your brother. So, first of all, he asks him to go back to Bethel. Where does he? Where does God meet him before he goes to Bethel? He meets him at Bethel. Uh, sorry, Penuel. And Penuel, uh, after he meeting, meet him, meets him in Penuel, He comes to Esau. Esau and him are restored, reconciled, etc. And he comes to Shechem, and he enjoys life. Shechem the moment he comes to Shechem and he put he uh also makes some t- tents and starts build, building uh so living there it's sukoth you know what sukoth means right Tabernacles okay he makes some tabernacles over there and he begins to settle down and immediately a Dina episode happens these fellows go and murder the entire city kill the Shechem of Shechem okay Shechem of, of Shechem no? the guy's name is Shechem okay Shechem of Shechem the he you know, the, what is a Hewite spirit, right? And then after that, um, Jacob says, what am I supposed to do? And Jacob, God appears to J- uh, Jacob and he says, pack your garments, pack your bags and leave. Look at how Jacob interprets the call. Verse 2. Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, put away the foreign gods that are among you. Purify yourselves and what? Change your garments. Now, he says something. What do they do? Look at the next verse. Then let us arise and go to Bethel, etc. So verse 4. So they gave Jacob all their foreign gods. My goodness. We thought only Rachel had the gods, right? The entire household has the gods, Baba. Everybody. They went to their tent. They brought their gods from uh, whatever, what other place, no? Laban's place, Haran. Haran. Oh, all the idols of Haran came. Slowly, one by one, one by one, one by all the idols they came. They gave it to Jacob. So, those are idols, of course, physical idols there for us. We have all our own household idols. Big household idol is education. Because... Whatever is a part of your identity is your idol. Antiga. Education, a part of your identity. Bring it, God says. Foreign God. Nonsense. Get it. Nationality. American Christian, Indian Christian, Chinese Christian. Get lost. You remember that movie Chakde India? All the fellows hockey players will come and stand in one line. Everybody is telling which state they belong to. And I like that scene. It's a powerful scene, no? He says, you are not Andhra, Telangana, um, Sikkim, Punjab. You are all India. He makes them show their identity first. So get all your household Id- Id- uh, idols. Gujarati, Malayali, no, forget about all these things. Get all your house- household identities, all your idols, education, entity, your uh, state, caste, what is that? Profession, status. Software company. Which work in? Which which company do you work in? Microsoft. Ha! Microsoft. Apple. Ah. Household idol. Get it out. Qualcomm. You software fellows. Professor. Get that also, get that also, get that also. Get all your foreign gods please, all your earthly identities, get it, get it, get it, get it. Marriage, children, khandan, all that, get it? And what do they do? So they, they got all these foreign gods which were in their hands and there, Oh, I love that. Pogalu. What is that? One demon is there. Right there, one demon. You are not able to hear. I'm not able to hear. I'm not able to There's one demon sitting there. What is it? Gossip. Oh, what? What? Uh, uh, gossip. Sitting right there. Ear gate. I don't know, brother. I come to church so many years. I never heard from God. One big demon is sitting there, rearing. How will you hear? You'll be listening to the message suddenly. That sister, what kind of a dress did she wear? Finished, over. The whole message is gone. How do you expect to hear? Pastor is talking about me only. Finished, gone, message is gone. You're stuck there and the message is over. Earring. So they brought all their foreign gods which were in their hands. Earrings which were in their ears. And Jacob buried them. Nonsense. He said, This we are going to die to this identity now. There is only one God. At Shechem, we die. That is what is called as, what is, what is it called? Changing of garments, my dear brothers and sisters. I do not have an identity of my past. No way. All those identities which were so important to me, I buried them under the terebinth tree. I don't know what that word terebinth means. You should see it, do a word search. It'll be interesting. Maybe that should, that could be one of the interesting uh, thoughts that you can maybe look at. What does a terebinth tree mean? Because every word in the Bible is important. And then what happens? Next verse. And they journeyed and the terror of the Lord. Terror of God was upon the cities that were all around them. You know why? Why do they have the terror of God? Because now they have an identity, new identity. Children of God. And all the powers of darkness will be terrorized. Because your identity is now hidden Christ. Was upon the cities that were all around them. And they did not pursue the of they will not pursue you anymore. The Egyptians that you see, they will not see you anymore. You, they will not pursue you anymore. Over. So Jacob came to Luz, which is in the land of Canaan. He and all the people who were with him. And you know what he did? Verse 7, it says, And he built an altar there and called the place El Bethel, means the God of Bethel. I wish we come to church like that. Take away all our foreign gods on Saturday. Die. Put all our stupid identities. Take away all our earrings. That is what we call a circumcised ears. Separated ears. Bury them under the terebin tree. At Shechem. And go to meet the God of Bethel. Not just go to church. Why are we coming to church? Because we we want to meet the God who is in the church. El Bethel, where two or three are gathered in my name, I will be there. And we want to come to meet God. That is what it means to change your garments. First lesson. Second lesson. Leviticus chapter 14 now. Verse 8 and 9. He who is cleansed. Who is this cleansed? Who is this Baba? Two chapters on how to deal with leprosy. Laborious. Now, one guy who has been cleansed of his leprosy, that's exactly what Jesus does, right? When he Jesus gives the manifesto of the kingdom of God in uh, Gospel of God in Matthew chapter 5, 6 and 7. On chapter in chapter 8, he comes down and they ask him, and one lepers, lepers guy comes to him and says, Lord, if you are willing, can you be clean you please cleanse me? And he says, I am willing, and he touches him and he cleanses him. So what do you should do? He who is cleansed shall wash his clothes, shave off his hair wash himself in water that he may be clean. After that, he shall come into the camp and shall stay outside the tent for seven days and move on eight and nine. But on the seventh day, he shall shave off his hair and his beard, all his hair and shave off. And he shall wash his clothes, wash his body in water and he shall be clean. What is the significance of this? If we have a new identity in Christ, what do we do? Second Corinthians chapter six, the last one verse, last two verses. And chapter seven, verse one and two. Therefore, come out from among them, be separate, do not touch what is. When you are leprous, what are what were you? unclean and I will receive you I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters says the Lord God Almighty and verse seven, chapter 7 verse 1 therefore aha, having these promises beloved let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit perfecting holiness in the what? in the fear of God that's the reason why he says worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness tell you uh, Clothe yourselves with beautiful garments and prostrate before the Lord. That is what it means. Washing yourself and changing your garments. That means my old life of uncleanness, I'm dead to that. And God has given me a new identity. I want to be clean. I want to perfect holiness. I want to perfect holiness. I want to get rid of all filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit. And perfect holiness in the fear of God. So how do I get rid of the filthiness of the spirit? Spirit first. What first Peter? Chapter 5, verse (coughs) 5. I love this. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you submit. Be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. That is what it means to get rid of your filthiness of your spirit because God hates pride and unbelief. Pride. Submissive, be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility for God resists the proud but he gives grace to the humble so he clothes you with grace and then verse 6 therefore humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time casting all your care upon him for he cares for you so, so second first what do you do take away all the garbage idols all your identities of your past take them all and Bury them under the terebin tree. Take away all your earrings, all those things which will block your hearing from God. Ask God to circumcise your ears and say, Lord, I want to prepare myself to hear your voice and then bury them under the terebin tree and go to the house of God, El Bethel, and build an altar over there and you'll be able to hear from God. First, first thing that is changing of garments second how do you change your garments perfecting holiness in the fear of the lord how by cleansing yourself from all the filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit how do you cleanse yourself from the uh, from the uh, filthiness of the flesh now go to colossians chapter 3 you know how to cleanse yourself from the spirit right how put on humility that is cleansing yourself from the things of the filth, from the filthiness of the spirit the filthiness of the spirit is pride my dear brothers and god hates pride a haughty look proud look he hates it it is an abomination to god a proud attitude a attitude of self-sufficiency a attitude which will not come under authority a attitude which will never take correction it is a filthiness of the spirit and god says cleanse yourself clothe yourself with humility and then how do you clothe yourself with uh this thing of the i mean how do you get rid of yourself or get rid of the filthiness of the flesh therefore put to death your members which are on earth what are they fornication uncleanness huh? you see that uncleanness coming over there passion evil desire covetousness which is what idolatry because of these things the wrath of god is coming upon the sons of disobedience and then go verse 7 and in which you yourselves once walked with them uh, when you lived in them but now you yourselves are to Put off these. What are you supposed to put off? Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language from out of your mouth and then do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with its deeds. Now put on the new man. What is the new man? Who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. That is what is called as getting rid of the filthiness of your flesh and of the Spirit, you got it. So first, you know what is the first garment for What is it? We understood that. Now get rid of all the idols, consecrate your ears. Second, get rid of this filthiness of the spirit, and get get rid of the filthiness of the flesh. Third, Second Second Samuel. No, I'll not come to the Second Samuel. Turn to Jeremiah chapter fifty-two. I'll come to Second Samuel. Kuncham Kuncham, delay them. Ah, uh, chapter 52 verses 31. <clears throat> now it came to pass in the 37th year of the captivity of Jehoiachin, hmm? king of Judah, Jehoiachin disobeys God. God says, please come under the captivity of Babylon. He doesn't. And he a lot of torture happens. Okay? And uh, he's taken as captive to Babylon. 37th year of the captivity of Jehoiachin, king of Judah. I like that. 37th year. In the 12th month, on the 20th day of the month. That means 38 years are already getting over. 38 years are getting over. The end of the law. That evil Merodach, <laughs> I like that word. King of Babylon, in the first year of his reign, lifted up the head of Jehochin, king of Judah, and brought him out of prison. 38 years of bondage under the law. A picture, a type. God says, my glory and the lifter up of my head. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to have mercy upon you. 38 years at the pole of Bethesda. What are you? Langada. At Bethesda. Lame, impotent. God comes to him and he says, Can I lift up your head, please? What happens? Next verse. And he spoke kindly to him. Gave him more prominency than those of the kings who were with him in Babylon. So, Jehoachin, change from his government. Say, eh, Baba prison garments and he ate bread regularly before the king all the days of his life you know what has happened now put away the laborious works under the law and put on grace can I for the sake of my friend Jonathan show kindness to the household of Saul yeah is there anybody now ah, there is one guy called Mephibosheth. Where? Lodabar. What is that Lodabar, number A place without any reputation. Nobody goes there. In other words, literally, if you have to put it in crude terms, there is nothing called God forsaken. Almost God forsaken place. Almost. That is what Lodabar means. And one day he gets a knock on his door. The first time he heard the knock, he got attention because that is when there was a knock on his door and the, and his nanny or his governess took him in his hand and he fell from his hand and he became a langada. He became lame. Again, he heard that noise of a knock on his door and he was tense now. Who is that? This is a knock to knock to kill you, my dear brother. This is a knock to release you from your prison and knock. Of grace. Put off your garments. Come and eat bread. At the king's table. Change your garments. And eat the bread. On the king's table. What? The end of law in your life. And the beginning of grace. Let's change. And you have to keep living this out over and over and over again in your life, right? Am I right? You got to keep living this out over and over and over again in your life. So let's see the next guy who does this. 2 Samuel chapter 12. Now I wanted to go there, okay? 2 Samuel chapter 12 and verse 20. So David arose from the ground, (laughs) washed and anointed himself and changed his garments. I messed up. I bore the punishment of the Lord, now I'm going to change. I'm going to start afresh with God, a clean slate. God has put away my sin, I'm no longer going to walk in condemnation and guilt. I am going to be clothed with the righteousness of God. You know know why? Because if you confess your sins, He's faithful and just and I believe that He has forgiven me. Change His garments. Want to see another one? I like this. Mark's Gospel, chapter ten, verse forty-six onwards. Now they came to Jericho. (laughs) As he went out of Jericho with his disciples, a great multitude. Blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. You have to maybe all these details are given. Do a word search. You know, one of the ways to. Uh, enjoy the word is to do a word such. There itself you'll have a lot of lessons going, coming on. Verse 47. And he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth. And he began to cry. Jesus son of David have mercy on me. You're yeah, beginning of the fifth month, right? The month of grace. Month of grace. Grace to overcome. Grace to die to our past life. Grace to all the taunts of the people who have bl- Who have spoken to us and said, You know, you are good for nothing. You are a blind fellow. You are a lame of the society. You sit there and beg nonsense. They said that to you. And what they said? They want him to be quiet. But he cried out even more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still. And commanded him to be called. I love that. Kya hai. Law came through Moses. <laughs> Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Then they called the blind man, saying, Be of good cheer. Now, till now they are shouting at him. Suddenly they will change their voice. I thank God. The, you know why? Because when God justifies you, it doesn't matter what people say. Finished over. That, that old life is gone. Be of good cheer. Arise. He's calling you. And you know what he does? Something very interesting. Throwing aside his garment. I love that. He throws his garment. He arose and came to Jesus. My past life is done and over with. Lord, I want to be clothed with something new in my life. So Jesus answered and said, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said, Lord, said something very interesting. You know what he said? Ah, Rabboni. He didn't say master. He didn't say rabbi. What did he say? What does rabboni mean? Rabbi means teacher. Master, different. Rabboni means my teacher. My teacher. That I mean, please. Rabboni, I want to receive. My teacher, I want to be given sight. You know, literally, no? Asatoma. Gamaya. Gamaya. Om shanti shanti. That is exactly what has happened to this man. Out of darkness into his light, his light is open. Now he comes to a person whom he can call what? My teacher. A man who has been, who took away his garment of his past life. Now is clothed and engulfed by the teaching and the covering and the protection and the spirit of the living God. A new identity. Change your garments. Finally. This is the best. Seventh one, I think. In my order, okay? Or the fifth one, it's fine. Genesis 41. 41, what kya aapko 14, thank you so much. Genesis 41, 14. Onwards. Okay, doctor? Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph. I like that. And they brought him quickly out of the dungeon. What does that dungeon represent? Lord, I walked with you, Lord. All these years I was walking in obedience. I never compromised. I walked blameless before your side and people have called me all kinds of names. People sold me. They slandered my name. They did everything to me. That dungeon represents the slander and the gossip and all the things that people have done to a child of God. You lived under reproach all your life. You know why? Because you bore the reproaches of Christ. You put on the identity of Christ. You were Joseph. And you would never compromise. You always had God next to you. And you walked in righteousness. You walked in holiness. You walked in repentance all the days of your life. And God was with you. But people called you all kinds of names. And they put you in the dungeon. And one day. When Jesus comes. Bring him out now. (laughs) And he shared. Changed his clothing. And he came to Pharaoh. You know what Pharaoh is going to do? He's going to put a new garment. He's going to put a ring on his finger and he's going to give him a new name. You know what his new name, new, new name going to be? Zafnath Paneya. New name. New identity. Change your garments. So What are we going to do today, this morning? Will we change our garments? That's the call, right? In Exodus chapter 19, this is redemption story. The whole purpose of redemption is what? Exodus 19 will say, what is it? Call to a new identity. Call to maturity. Call to obedience. Call to change your garments. So change your garments this morning. Okay? Whatever the garments represents. All of you who's listening within the sound of my voice. Fifth month, five represents the number of grace. He is the fifth alphabet in the Hebrew alphabet. You know that? Aleth, Beth, Gimel, Daleth, He. Okay? So Abraham was Abraham. And when He came into his life, he became Abraham. New beginning. Sarai was Sarai. When He came to our life, it became Sarah. New identity. The identity of grace. Put off the old man. Put on the new man and know that you are not a chicken, you are an eagle. Call to maturity. Amen. Shall we stand up? Shall we pray? Lord, we come to you. The first day of the fifth, fifth month. The 42nd day of our lockdown. And this morning, Father. We want to change our clothes. For you said in your word. Sin shall not have dominion over our life. For we are no longer under law, but under grace. And therefore you said, Lord, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and do not give any provision to the flesh to fulfill its desires and its lust. And therefore, Lord, we want to put off our old garments. Uh, We want to put off our old identities. We want to consecrate our years. We want to put off every uncleanness. We want to put off pride. We want to put off every lust of the flesh. We want to put off covetousness. We want to put off all those condescending words that were spoken over our life. but And we want to continue to press on and cry out to God and say, Son of David, have mercy upon me and call call out to you, Rabboni, I want to see my master, my teacher. Knowing that Lord, one day, when I walk in this world, bearing your approach. You will bring me out of that dungeon. You will change my garments. You will give me a new name. That's what you promised the Lord. That you will give us all a new name. To him who overcomes, I will give him a new name. Joseph only got Zaphnath Paneah. But we will be given a name. A name which will be known throughout all eternity. This morning I pray, Father, enable us to humble ourselves before you. You want to be clothed with humility so that we can experience your grace. Experience your grace and your mercy. And we want to walk with you. For you said, the Lord resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And let your people change their garments this morning. Thank you. We praise you. We give you glory. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.